Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Welcome to mini episode 5 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you all doing? I am so excited to read some more listener submissions this week. I'm so looking forward to crapping myself. Oh, don't do that. It'll be really embarrassing, especially after last week. The mess you made. <laughs> it just took such a long time to clean up. Well, people have got to stop scaring me, innit? What they expect? I mean, also that. That's true. So, you ready? Yeah. Our first story comes from... Taya. I live in Victoria, Canada on Vancouver Island. It is known to be one of the most haunted cities on the west coast of North America and one of the most beautiful places on earth. I've never really thought much about it but ghosts and the paranormal have been a part of my whole life in one form or another. One of the first instances I do not actually recall as it is a story my dad used to tell me about when I was two or so. We were riding in a friend's car. It was an old Mercedes and had a bench seat in the front. This is before child car seats and seatbelts were mandatory. So there was the driver and then my mom and then my dad and then me next to the passenger door. They were all chatting away and I kept pulling on my dad's sleeve trying to get his attention. I did this all the time so he was kind of ignoring me until I screamed, Move me now! Which startled him as I was a very quiet child. So he picked me up and handed me over the front seat to their friend in the back seat. Just then, the car hit a big pothole and the passenger door swung open and I would have fallen out. I told him the people told me to move. Oh, gosh. As I said, I do not recall this particular incident, but when my dad would tell the story, he would add that I continued to talk about people in cars, we travelled quite a bit while I was growing up, who were not there. I do have memories of talking to people that were sitting next to me in the back seat sometimes. Sometimes kids, sometimes adults. Never realising that other people could not see them. Until one day my dad asked me who I was talking to. The person said, He won't believe you so just say you're an invisible friend. I did. And my dad let it go. When I was about five I went over to a friend's house after school one day. She lived in an old, what we would call Edwardian-style house. It was quite tall, three floors, and built sometime in the late 1800s. My friend's room was on the very top floor of the house, so we went up to play in her room. After a while, my friend stated that she needed to go to the bathroom, so off she went. The house being old had only one bathroom down on the second floor. A few minutes after she was gone... A girl in a longer dress came into the room. She was older than I was, and the dress was old-fashioned, 
but this was the 70s, and our parents were all kind of hippies, so it did not look that out of place to me. I said hello and she was startled, and said something like, Oh, you can see me. So she sat on the bed next to me and we chatted about kid things. Do I have any siblings? Did I like my parents? Do we have pets? Etc. Then suddenly she got up and said she had to go. She wandered out the door and almost right after she was out of the door, my friend came back into the room. Who are you talking to? She asked, as she had heard me on the way up the stairs. Your older sister, I said. She went back to her room across the hall. She looked at me weird and said, I don't have an older sister and there aren't any rooms up here. Being the five-year-old children we were, we kind of just let it go. In my memories, that girl was as solid as I was, but maybe she wasn't. My mom thinks I may have been able to see through her or something, but my young child mind could not comprehend it, so I just dismissed it. For most of my life, my mom seems to have had a friendly poltergeist attached to her. We don't know if it's an actual poltergeist, but that is what we've always called it. It would slowly open doors that should not be able to open on their own until my mom would say, It is nice of you to visit, but please close the door. And then, the door would slowly close until it clicked shut again. This happened in every single house we lived in, and we lived in many houses. One day a friend of my mom was having an ugly fight with her husband, and her and her six kids come to our house to be safe. He comes barreling into our driveway and starts pounding on our front door. He breaks the doorknob and therefore the lock, but could not push the door open in all his anger. He was a very large man, very tall and girthy like a wrestler. There was nothing stopping the door except, I guess, the poltergeist. He was pushing quite violently on the door and it would give a little and then shut tightly on him again. And eventually that guy gave up and left. Another time many years later I was an adult and not living at home anymore. I was at my mom's house on Christmas Eve for our traditional dinner. We were sitting in her living room chatting and waiting for my brother to show up. She had a set of bell-shaped Christmas lights that were antiques. They were her grandmother's before her so must have been made in the 1950s. I just remember her having them my whole life and she still does to this day. She had them up around a small window she had all on their own, away from the rest of her decorations. I was noticing out of the corner of my eye that these bell lights were flashing. They had never been flashing lights before. It took a long time for that to come to the front of my thinking while talking to my mom. So I suddenly asked, Oh, do you have one of those flashing plugs on those lights? You know the ones that you could plug in between your lights and the plug to make any Christmas lights flashing ones? No, I, I didn't even notice they were flashing. Just at that point, my brother came in the door and we pointed out the flashing lights to him. He goes over to the light and is looking at the whole string, etc. And he kind of pops up really fast and says most calmly, You mean these lights that aren't even plugged in? No, 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 no. And he was holding the plug in his hand. No. (laughs) All three of us are now staring at a set of lights that flashed three more times and then went out. No. No, not having that. Why? Oh, no, it's not even right, is it? I knew that was coming as well. I'm traumatised. I was already traumatised with that first story, the first part of that story. Where she's in the car. Yeah. And the people are like, 
whispering to her. Yeah. How weird is that. it? How weird is it that, that the ghost in her story is cognizant where they're like, he's not going to believe you. So no, just say. That's what freaked me out about it. Them saying that because what if every time a kid says, oh, I'm just talking to my invisible friend. It's because, because a ghost had told them to tell him that. Maybe it is. Oh my gosh. I can't deal with this story. Thanks, Taylor. Do any of your nieces and or nephews have invisible friends? No, because they're just too crazy to even think about it. They're too crazy. <laughs> the, the ghosts are like, well, absolutely not. Uh, no, they don't. That was a good story, Taylor, but that's really not the best time to start. They're not the best one to start with. No, it kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies as well, I have to say. Hoodjibbers. My friend lost her dad a couple of Christmases ago, and they were talking about her mum is very spiritual I must get her on to talk about her little sister because her little sister was fucking weird she like used to be like this where she she'd be like oh the people told me this and then it would come true and everyone would be like oh god they they believed in her abilities or her like weird like that she was haunted so much that if they were going on holidays and she said not to get on the plane they wouldn't have got on the plane like that is how much they believed in her abilities so the family are kind of like aware of spiritual stuff and into it and her husband isn't and after her her dad passed away they were talking about it and and I think the mum was saying something like oh I wish he'd be able to give us a sign and like that these lights that were like on the shelf behind them that weren't plugged in they all lit up and even her husband who has no time for any of that kind of stuff I think I might actually faint if that happened to me like would proper, you proper kilo but i don't know i don't know how to react to it because the i was trying not to interrupt you all the way through that story because i was weirded out from the start and everyone I loves even, it when you interrupt by the I way i couldn't even help myself when you told me it wasn't plugged in because of the my not repulsion is not the right word but my horror was too strong and that, that's just from hearing about it so i can't even comprehend why it. is that a big deal why is lights being not plugged in and turning on and off a big deal because they can't work without electricity so that's got to be something else well no it? i get the science behind it yeah so that's got to be something else isn't it that's like proof proof i don't know i like i don't know how freaked out i'd be at christmas lights flashing but they're not plugged in I know. You know the science, so how is that not freaking? Well, I think I'd try and rationalise it another way. I think I'd probably... How could you rationalise it? I'd probably be freaked out, but then I'd tell myself, no, there must be... They must have some sort of, like, power pack in them, and then i just forget about it and move on. I think. I do quite like the fact that her... The mum's poltergeist... Actually, to be fair, in the modern day and age, they might have done, but we're talking this is... The 1950s, yeah. Or as in lights from the 1950s. 1950s. But I do quite like that the poltergeist saved that woman... Yeah. So I don't know if I was clear enough in this story, but the door would open a little bit and yeah. then slam closed. So I think that's like... Can you even imagine if you... Oh man, I don't even know what I'd do if my kids started talking about talking to people. I know what you'd do. You'd, just, you'd pack your bags and leave. Leave them in the house. I would be that, that you family. You would be that person. You'd be <laughs> that family. <laughs> are you ready for another story? I don't know if I am to be honest with you. You should have left that one till last. Well, here we are. Oh. Story number two comes from Teresa. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. There's something peculiar about my family. An ability to connect to something specific. Or maybe to everything. 
My mother harbours an intense and occasionally debilitating empathy. She touts a connection to the elements that allow her a sort of prediction of the life force and duration of something. She's been able to accurately predict how long a plant will live and is accurately informed of, of a particular animal that lives in the forest behind her house, despite her inability to enter these forests due to severe allergies to both bees and poison ivy. This lends her a remarkable yet quiet presence, even amidst her similarly odd relatives who can allegedly speak in tongues, connect to other people's thoughts, or exhibit a heightened law of attraction that allows them to make whims a reality. Even her mother remains present and influential. My mother inherited a dying Christmas cactus that my grandmother had kept in a room at the nursing home right before her death. My mother kept it around and cared for it in hopeful sentiment. It had remained dead for months until blooming during the week of the birthday of the grandchild my grandmother had been closest to. Odd phenomena don't occur around all of us and this genetic connection to something is capricious. My half-sisters are typical and psychologically normal, in inverted commas, save a few anxious spots here and there. I have slightly prophetic lucid, lucid dreams. My twin brother has blanks in his memory when he experiences strong emotion. He said that he has seen people in his room and has odd feelings right before traumatic or dangerous events happen to those close to him. Despite our sceptical attempts to write them off when they happen, We've both experienced and done things that possibly form a pattern and are certainly outside of the natural. So yes, new age Jedi genetic gifts established and with these set the scene. My mother has always had vivid dreams. Of particular vibrancy are those revolving around houses. She recounts a feeling of trepidation escalating to dread in a house slightly modelled off of her childhood home. A feeling of wary watchfulness permeates a recreation of her grandmother's home. A heaviness oozes from her current residence. Perhaps from my mother, I have the innate ability to lucid dream. But more strangely, I constantly dream of things or people that I later see in reality. Of course I wrote all of this off initially and convinced myself that I was experiencing some form of deja vu. But I started to dream journal and I suddenly had a written record of spaces or people that I'd seen in dreams before actually experiencing them in real life, such as when I recognised a film set as near identical to a dreamscape I had drawn years prior, or when I recognised people or places with whom I had absolutely no prior connection. Around two years ago, during a week in the summer, I began to dream of my room at the time the basement of my childhood home. I found it all boring and a waste of time. What's the use of unlimited creativity and exploration if I'm stuck in my room, especially when I'm unable to change anything worthwhile? The walls appeared a bit taller, the lighting a bit more enigmatic. It was all quite normal, and the most dramatic bits of these dreams centred around my cat escaping from the door near my bed. Resigned to dreams about a cat I was never quite able to catch, I wasn't prepared for a jarring change of pace. One night, I dreamt that I was being pulled towards the stairs leading upwards from my room. This was odd, as my in-dream actions are usually deliberate and not controlled by an ulterior plot. I wasn't choosing to go towards the stairs. Unwilling, 
I looked up the unnaturally dark stairwell. A soft light gradually built until I could see a child sitting on top of the second stair. Within the crook formed between the wall and the sloping ceiling of the stairwell, she had thick brown hair and large brown eyes and wore something orange. I can't really recall the outfit, just the colour. Though she looked frightened and her eyes were a bit too large and made me feel a bit uncomfortable, she looked like a fairly normal child of about eight years of age. But her presence was dreadful. I don't recall her speaking, but I can distinctly recall her stare and feeling that I was going to be harmed. I remained standing, transfixed and unable to move. I eventually was able to regain lucidity and I pulled myself from the dream, forcing a reset to some blank state in my dream room. I eventually awoke after a comparatively forgettable night of dreams. I told my mother a basic recount of the dream a few days later, after I had recorded it in my journal. She appeared thoughtful and began to tell me of some past dreams she'd had involving dreaming about her old homes and old rooms and about houses in general. We often did this, throwing our impressions of dreams back and forth and often losing focus from specific dreams. At this point, I hadn't mentioned the physical appearance of the girl, only that a creepy girl had been present on the stairs. As my mother continued to talk about dreams that she'd had involving homes and odd presences within, she recounted one in which a child seemed to follow her. In this dream, my mother was filled with a frantic, formless need to protect something. The child following her seemed involved, but did not seem to be the thing that she needed to protect. She didn't recall much more about the dream other than vague details about, the how, about how the house looked like her childhood home and that this didn't seem to surprise her, since dreams of anxiety or worry tended to take place in this setting. She seemed more focused upon the child and upon the feeling. She also seemed to be hesitating because she said the child was a girl with brown hair and was wearing orange. Unsettled, I finally told my mother about the appearance of the girl in my own dream. My mother immediately became emotional and was unable to put her thoughts into words for a bit. She explained that she was tentative to talk about the dream involving the child because it reminded her of something traumatic. She explained that the girl in her dream made her uncomfortable because she felt like she was hers. It was at this moment in my early 20s and after casually bringing up my dreams that I learned that my mother was initially meant to have triplets when she was pregnant with my brother and I and the third sibling didn't make it. Oh no. The girl in the dream scared me for the emotions that seemed to be emanating from her. But she unsettled me for her eyes. They were very large and very brown and looked just like mine. No one else in my family has brown eyes. It was nice to know that I might have shared something with my sister. A few months after the night of this dream, I noticed the beginning of something that would become an unsettling trend. It was around 1am and my bed began shaking. It was a slight vibration, something that could be written off as hypnic jerks, that I wasn't quite awake enough to connect to a particular muscle. Maybe the fan I used next to my bed was faulty. It happened again a few nights later. Again, I was close to sleep, 
but awake enough to be stubbornly dismissive. The shaking never seemed to last more than a minute or two and was easy to ignore. It happened a few more times throughout the month, but I remained unwilling to give it any more attention or any label beside hypnic jerks. It would take something more for me to dismiss normal muscular movements as the cause. Sometime in the following months, my bed began shaking when I was wide awake, sat upon my bed and reading on my laptop. I set the laptop down, got off the bed and moved my plugged in phone cord onto the bed to see if it would pick up the shaking. The cord began shaking. My fan was off. A quick Google, which I completed the next morning as well, revealed that no seismic activity had occurred. My cat seemed unalarmed, despite being sat upon the still shaking bed, so I didn't feel scared enough to flee the area. I moved away from the bed, sat down on the couch about 10 feet away in the adjacent living space, and watched television until I was too tired to stay awake. By morning I decided I didn't much care about the source of the shaking. It was something earthly, surely, something coincidental and boring. I slept in my bed that night and no shaking occurred. Either the shaking stopped for the rest of the month or I slept through it. During the night, on a following month, I was sat on my bed, reading on my phone before going to sleep. I heard a faint knock on the door behind my bed. This door led to the exterior of the home and faced the forest behind our house. I looked towards the door and waited for further noises. When none came, I got back to reading. It might be an animal. More likely it was one of my mother's bird feeders rolling down the hill to naturally rest at the base, by the door, as had happened before. A few nights later, the knock repeated. I didn't stop what I was doing, until I heard something that demanded my attention. A slight scratching sound was coming from the window right next to my bed. I froze, inclined my head so I could see the window out of the corner of my eye. I was too nervous to look at it straight on. The scratching continued for around five minutes, until I hit the wall by the window. The sound stopped. I got up from the bed and slept in a different room for the next couple of days. It was probably a raccoon behind the bushes that formed a barrier in front of the ground level window, but on the off chance it wasn't a raccoon, I was not given anything clear access to me sleeping. I eventually returned to my bed and slept soundly, with no shaking or noises for the next month or so. I'd returned to being comfortable with being in the room, and was at the point where I was joking about my clearly haunted bed. One night, after waking up in the middle of the night and checking on my phone, I heard the single knock again. Oh, man. Then my bed started shaking immediately after the knock. I did not feel scared and instead started to say something along the lines of, Hello, you've just as much right to be here as, as I and you're welcome to be near me, but please can we do this some other time? Thank you. I was tired and it came out more like, Hello, yes, you're here. Don't hurt me. Leave. <laughs> The shaking stopped after a bit and I fell back to sleep. I was unafraid at the time of the incident and was instead filled with curiosity and acceptance underneath the irritation. 
The shaking continued on and off for the next year or so. I remained unafraid. I moved out of that house about three months ago. I noticed my bed shaking but decided to focus on the likelihood that it came from the fan that leaned against my bed in my new smaller bedroom. Then I remained unafraid. A few weeks ago, my roommate and I were sitting in our living room and we could feel a vibration, strong enough to shake our respective chairs. We silently looked at each other with slightly confused expressions as the shaking died down, then escalated to begin shaking the apartment to the extent that the lamp next to the window was audibly moving on the table. The shaking softened and finally stopped about 30 seconds later. The shaking hadn't lasted for more than a minute. My roommate told me she had experienced the same thing a few days prior. I became decidedly frustrated and anxious to tell our landlord about this possible problem with the foundations of the building. I resolved that we would tell our landlord about it if it happened again. It hasn't happened again. I mean, not blatantly. I've awoken in the middle of the night to the faint sound of the lamp shaking on the table in the other room. But I concede that this could be our cats messing about. I dread whenever our housemates let us know that they've never felt a similar shaking. It has to be the foundations. I'd yet to be afraid of the house, and I don't want to become so. Especially since something different happened that finally scared me last week. I was heading out from a closing shift at my security position in retail when I saw what seemed to be a shadow crouched next to my car in the underground garage. Oh, man. It was crouched between my car and one of the orange-painted pillars I always parked next to in the garage in order to more easily find my car within a garage of mostly grey pillars. I was used to the shadows of the pillars looking creepily solid, but I was not used to these shadows moving. The shadow distorted, resembling a figure moving upward from a slouch position. I ran back up the stairwell, using my coat to re-enter the now alarmed store and stayed inside until my roommate arrived to pick me up. I told her I had car troubles. I didn't want her to be scared and I didn't want to focus on it and make something real out of something I'd rather write off as an unrelated coincidence. You can't aggregate bad facts or unrelated phenomena and make them more significant. It doesn't work like that. But it can't work like that. Because there's something peculiar about my family. We can do odd things. We can connect to things. I can dream things dream people and see them later in reality. Whenever I visit my old home, I will not look at the nook that forms where the wall meets the ceiling of the stairwell. I don't want to see big brown eyes like mine. Hmm. I've got chills. Are you okay? No, I'm not. This is, um, you're reading in a really creepy way this week as well. What? But it's good. It's very dramatic. You do, no, it's not oh, criticism. Thanks, thanks very much. But it's just adding to the tension because you're doing it. You're Those two stories have given me like actual goosebumps. Oh. Both of them. I have the heebie-jeebies. I'm scared. Although I do think that last shadow... Could have actually been a real yeah, person. Could have actually yeah. been a real person trying Waiting to hurt her. her. Yeah. So well done her yeah. that she just fucking turned yeah, and legged absolutely. it. That she was That's like, was nope, like. I'm not doing this. Yeah, good. Because it could have been an actual real yeah. person out yep. to get you. One car left in the car park. That little fucking knock on the door makes me want to die. It's just Bim trying to get in. Just little Bimmy. 
Little baby traveling around. <laughs> oh, are you okay? Yeah, it's just the dream. Like dreams fascinate me. I think because I think there's there's a real sort of like I think some people definitely do have that gift to be able to like or get visions and stuff in dreams that happen and things like that. I think they're quite oh, interesting. Oh, see, I think so too. And I know that I'm really sceptical about loads of things. I think a lot. I think the majority of dreams are just like, you know, oh, like the sort of... Mad jumbling. Like yeah. the mad dreams I have. I Like I've spoken about my dreams before. Yeah. My dreams are insane. But every so often I dream about people that I have loved that have died. And they're always different than my other dreams. And it makes like, I always feel like I'm really talking to that person. And I know that sounds mad and people are going to be like oh, well, that's still a dream and it's still your brain and blah, blah, blah. But then it's never the same as my normal dreams. And that's no mad. I also had two dreams during the week that were the exact same. Oh, I've had multiple dreams. Yeah, which same. was very strange. Mm. It was good dreams though. So I'm hoping they, I'm hoping it is actually a premonition. <laughs> Woo, that'd be great. That'd be really good. Dreams weird me out, but fascinate me at the same time, I think. I think my, like the majority of my dreams are just crazy. You know, yeah. it's crazy. But there's been there's been times that where I've dreamt dreamt something that has had value, which I'm, I don't really want to talk about. But you know, where it's had sort of it's had an implication. But also, what really intrigues me is there's there's two locations that I dream about regularly, where different things happen all the time. But the locations are the same to the point where I know my way around these two locations. I've never been there, and it's that kind of thing that's just like it's so weird how your brain can create that kind of. Uh, but not only created but then recreated yeah recreated in over the same and over way again. so i've been to like a, a stately home where i know like the where the servant's passage is which is behind the hidden door i know like the locate the layout of the first floor maybe it's like a past life or some shit yeah that you're be. dreaming about but this person's ability to lucid yeah, dream ooh. fascinates me I can lucid dream sometimes in a really small way. I never want to be able to lucid dream. No, well, my, mine is when if a dream is is really frightening me or getting oh, out yeah, of I control, can do, yeah, yeah. I can go, okay, this needs to stop yeah. now and you need to wake up because yeah. this is a dream. You yeah. are not, this isn't real. And yeah. my brain will tell me, and I, I'd imagine it's not really lucid dream and actually what it is is a response to me being really frightened about yeah. something in my dream. And my brain goes, no, we're not doing this. Yeah. You're dreaming. Yeah. Wake up. It's yeah. okay. But I've I've not been able to like make myself fly or no, do any of those. I don't like... want to. I don't want that overly. I'm happy just dreaming my crazy stuff as it is. If I had control over it, it would make it even worse. Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> you are a bit mad. But yeah, oh man. If you enjoyed this week's stories, I actually think I've traumatized Dan. Oh, we've only done two. Yeah, we're only doing two. Oh, I was bracing myself for a third one. I was like, I don't think I can handle this. Oh yeah, I didn't think you would be able to, so I went. I went for two this week. But if you enjoyed this week's stories, make sure and come and find us on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast. I know you've got the gum to do, but I do just want to put it out there. It doesn't matter how scared I get. I do generally enjoy listening to them. Yeah. I don't want people to think that I hate their stories just because I'm weirded out by them. I do Dan really... loves being scared. Yeah, but I, I'm not loving it at the moment, but I will when I calm down a little bit. And you can find Dan on Instagram. At 50p Movie Club. You can find us on Twitter. At Real Ghost Pod. You can find us on Facebook, Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast. Give the page a like. Join our super secret Facebook group, which is RLGS Supergroup. And the password is Emma and Dan. You can also email us your gorgeous ghost stories to Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to donate money to our Patreon, you can do so. Patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories and you can join up for either five dollars or two dollars a month 
And on that note, we shall see you next week. I thought you were going to drop something. See ya. (laughs) Bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.